Hey everyone, and welcome back to Student Entrepreneur 101. In this episode, I will be speaking with Julie Castro Abrams, the founder of How Women Lead, a professional network of 20,000 top women executives, and How Women Invest, an early stage venture firm focused exclusively on women founders. In this episode, you'll learn about Julie's experience building her venture firm, why it's crucial that more women enter venture capital, and the movement she's building to empower more women as leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Julie, welcome to the podcast. Please Thanks say hello. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad to be here, Rose. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so happy to have you here today. So excited for our conversation. To get started, why don't you share one recent win that you and your team at How Women Invest have had? Okay, so one of our uh, portfolio companies is called Baby Quip. Uh, and this is an, a company that um, uh, was started by a fifth time founder. Her first company was Match.com. So think about that. Like all social media, all of these dating apps came out of that original invention. And it's kind of interesting. She, uh, it was her and I think two other guys and they wanted to sell the company too early and she didn't. And of course, two, two over one, um, they, they got their way and she made some money, but not what she was going to make a year later. Like I think when the company next sold, they made huge amounts of money and it was like the one that got away. Right. So this Latina founder um, is on her fifth company and it's called baby quip. It's a baby equipment rental company. It's kind of like the baby equipment to go with like this, you know, Airbnb model. Right. So when you travel quality provider, will bring your, your baby equipment to you. Um, and she has 1500 women who are quality providers is what they're called. Basically, they have their own business. On average, they're making $1,400 a month as like supplementary income. Um, and one woman's making $10,000 a month. So to me, that's a huge wow. win. But this entrepreneur literally doubled her revenue in this year when everybody else was crashing. Um, and the valuation of that company is up about 40%. Um, huge. To me, that's just like, think about like, any measure of success, she's such an outlier in her in her success with this company today. What's interesting is so many male VCs that she's gone to couldn't see it. They're like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't think anybody's going to need this. It's like, are you kidding? <laughs> Try wow. to get a, a car seat and a stroller uh, in uh, on an airplane. You know, it's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. Um, so anyway, so that to me, that's a that's a big win. This woman is just killing it. Yeah. Absolutely. That is incredible. And can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, what do you think differentiated um, this company from others that you said were just really going down at this time? What do you think? Well, set apart? So one thing, I mean, the research shows that experienced entrepreneurs are going to be more successful. So she's on number five. I mean, obviously she herself is fantastic, but she, but you know, she's also as, as a woman founder and as a Latina, the data shows, you know, probably because you have to be that much better. And the ones, the people who yeah. are, you know, getting investment, you know, it's so few people that you have to be the best of the best of the best. So it's it's probably a combination of those. And then of course, you know, you can just look at her business practices. I have, you know, a bunch of investments, obviously running two funds and a venture firm. Um, and I have angel investments as well. She writes the most, the best sort of update reports. She's so responsive and effective as a manager of her communications with me as a venture investor. You just know everything's buttoned up. 
it's just very clear. She knows what she's doing. Um, you know, if, if things are tough, she'll be transparent, honest about it. Um, and just makes it super easy for, for everybody to, to, to help her really, and to be able to be a champion. So that's a big win. Yes. I can 100% imagine if you're on your fifth company, you know, you kind of have it down, you're in a flow, you know, when it comes to communicating to investors and just overall management, you find your space, you have a rhythm and you know what works and what doesn't. That's, that's amazing. And and I, I absolutely agree with what you mentioned. It's that need that you have to win. You know, it's like knowing that you have to win. And that I think makes all the difference, maybe like in your approach as an entrepreneur. Well, I've worked with thousands of women entrepreneurs and, and actually I ran a microfinance, a microenterprise organization um, that worked with low income women entrepreneurs or people who wanted to start their own company, um, half in Spanish. And I say that because we actually found um, that, you know, and, and though this is no big surprise, grit is really the the win. The people who wrote the most, uh, the, the most um, sophisticated business plans were not the people who ended up being the most successful is the person will wake up at three in the morning, borrow their brother's truck, like go do whatever it takes. And if you think about, let's say an immigrant or somebody who's otherwise marginalized or not, even if you have neurodiversity and you're not doing well in a corporate environment, you don't have a safety net. You have nowhere else to go. It's not like you're like, oh, fine, I'll go back to my consulting job, you know, or my whatever corporate thing. Um, If you have that kind of an out, it's a little too easy. Um, It's the people who don't have an out that often the grit just is so it's so evident. And, you know, that doesn't mean it's always great that they don't have an out, of course. Um, But it certainly is the recipe uh, for success. Um, She's not an immigrant to this country, but um, it's just a it's just an example of, uh, you know, how, you know, somebody is going to be successful in business. Now, the other thing about baby quip. It it really was the first to market. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was nobody else that was really in the market or at any scale. And so that when you're look, doing venture investment, you're looking for companies that they call them a blue ocean kind of a company. So um, this is a there's a book written about this. Um, instead of being in the Red Sea of competition, like the bloody battle there's a blue ocean where you're not competing with anyone but yourself and you're kind of competing with creating a whole new market. So uh, think about like, you know, Airbnb when it started, yeah. like I remember you brought your young, younger, obviously way younger than me. So you probably wouldn't have had this reaction, but for me, I was like, Oh my God, I wouldn't want anyone in my house. I wouldn't want to go be in somebody else's home. Well, now right. I literally go do Air- Airbnbs all the time. Yeah. And so um, I, I just think, having people evolve their thinking, you're literally creating a whole new market. Uh, And that's sort of the, that really is, that's what you want to find as an investor is someone creating a whole new market. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting that you say that because I think someone who, um, as someone who's actively learning about the business building process, sometimes uh, what you hear is companies fail because they've come before the market is ready. So how do you think that relates to this, having a blue ocean kind of market? Well, it's it's both. Yeah. It's both. You know, sometimes it is too early. Mm-hmm. Um, and often they'll say, you know, the second to the market is the one who's going to make the most money. Um, uh, so it 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 depends. You know, both are true. Yeah. yeah. Both are true. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. That's really <laughs> great to know. <laughs> it, it's like a very delicate balance then. Well, you know, there's all kinds of factors. Like 
think about it. When COVID hit, nobody would have thought. I mean, if I if I told you, you know, three years earlier, the world's going to shut down for years and you're not going to leave your house. You can be scared about toilet paper. And literally <laughs> it created and that escalated so much. We didn't use Zoom before. Yeah. Like we became experts on Zoom and that company exploded in such a short amount of time. Absolutely. Now that could have, and they were, you know, Skype was before Zoom. Like there were some other players in the market, but they didn't have as good of a product and they weren't as lith and didn't grow as quickly and responding to the market. That's about leadership. It's about the right moment time. It's about capitalization. You know, there's a lot of different factors, but you can't always predict how the world's going to go. Like I know there are great companies, really good ideas that started in the last year, a year and a half, but we've had an economic downturn in the last year and a half. The stock market crashed. I mean, literally, if you look at my portfolio last November, it was almost zero. It's kind of nutty um, to think about it. Um, completely rebounded and then some. But um, but if you if you started at the wrong moment, if you were about to raise funding to survive, right then we were all scared about our portfolios. It was kind of like if you were going to try and go out and raise money and get investors the day COVID hit, we were all terrified the world was going to end. Like you, right. you can't control everything. Um, and sometimes they become opportunities for you to really, really take off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. And so, so true as we've seen with the pandemic and, you know, the most recent economic downturn. Absolutely. Well, and, and, and if you look historically, economic downturns are these, or some of these crises where a whole bunch of people get laid off. That's actually where um, a lot of people, a lot of innovation explodes because you may have had an idea for something, but you were working too hard and you couldn't really focus on it. You know, you get laid off from your job. All of a sudden you're like, well, that idea looks yeah. pretty good. I might as well try now because I have no, my cost benefit analysis is, means I can do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a perfect, um, you know, space for the quote that says necessity is the mother of invention. I think that's yeah. absolutely true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Amazing. You have started this early stage venture firm, How Women Invest. I'm really, you know, very interested in finding out what was the inspiration behind this firm? You know, how did you kind of enter the world of venture capital? And yeah, well, how did this all start? Well, I've been, I was running a type of a bank before mm -hmm. um, that would do microloans. So yes. $50,000 to a woman who was, you know, starting a hair salon um, and, uh, you know, helped her, you know, and also did training and helped her grow her business. Right. So I did that for like 11 years and over 6,000 women. And that was really fun, but it was also hard because it was like essentially a social service agency, if you will. Like I had to raise every dollar from scratch. You weren't making enough money on those loans um, to sustain mm -hmm. anything. Um, uh, and so, um, but in addition to that being hard and me thinking, all right, I got to do enough. I have a new model. I got to find a new model for how I'm going to work because I'm getting older and I don't want to, I don't want to go through that again. But, you know, I also really realized that if I had some outliers, there were just a couple women that were doing really, really well in their companies. If I wanted to get them venture funding, there was nothing there was nothing out there. It was only 2% of venture dollars go to companies founded by women. You have to pitch too many times. There are too few 
sources and especially that like in around 20, you know, 2008, uh, 2009, 2010, when I was doing, running that firm, um, there were very few women venture capitalists. And so it was just hostile and it wasn't an option. So at that time I kept thinking, I'm going to start my own venture fund someday. So I think it was me being mad and me just like, you know what, this doesn't make any sense. So 10 years later, um, I'm, you know, build a network of top executive women. Um, uh, and we have, at that point, I think we had about 10,000 women in our network today. It's 20,000 women, which is just like unbelievable. Wow. Um, and, uh, and everybody, um, was trying to get on boards and I was like, well, you know, the way to get on a board is as if you're a venture capitalist, that's, that's who gets the first board seats. And actually that's the most important board seat because you're setting culture when a company's young. Mm. Um, so, so that's your moment in time to be able to actually have big influence. Um, and if women aren't venture capitalists, we're not getting a seat at the table. The numbers are really bad. Like if you look at it, we're, we're not getting venture funding. We're not sitting on boards and women, very few women are making decisions in venture capital. So I kind of thought of it as like an ecosystem issue, but I also saw the opportunity. I'm the first generation of mass generation of women that have 25, 30 years of operational experience at work. Mm -hmm. And we have power, influence, and wealth that you've never seen before. Women actually today have 52% of the wealth. This is stunning. Um, and so that creates an opportunity for us to shift things. We can shift markets. Collectively, women have enough money. We could change all of these problems. Um, so I was like, well, let me test it out. So I raised $10 million in like two months uh, in 2020 during the pandemic. I think in part because everyone was sitting at home and a little bit like, oh my God, this is something that actually is productive and I, you know, not, it, not so yeah. depressing. I've got to be part of something bigger than myself. Um, and so that, you know, I saw the opportunity and I was also just mad. I wanted to create a solution. Um, now I've got a second fund now, but what's interesting is if you look at what's happening, sort of, you step back and even look bigger. We actually, probably because women have been, you know, a small number of women, but women have been working in venture firms. They've built their skills. They've got a track record, but it was hostile. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh no, I'm going to create my own. So we actually have 300 women that have started venture firms in the last five years, I think, five to seven years. That's wow. an explosion. Yeah. I don't, really know what it was before, but that is multiples more than we had previously. Um, and so you have infrastructure with these women, experienced venture capitalists running these venture firms, but they're small mm -hmm. and there's some structural things and I'm working on some policy around it. But the other thing is like, I know I have 20,000 women in my network. They cannot all invest in my funds. Um, and in fact, Women who do invest in my funds for the first time, within a year, 30% are investing in other two and three other venture firms. Mm -hmm. And if they're going to invest in other venture firms, I want them to invest in women-run venture firms. So I want to give them exposure to them. And the women-run venture firms, they don't know how to find my network. So mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to get them all together. I'm going to do a campaign um, where I get 10,000, I have a goal to get 10,000 women to invest in venture capital for the first time. And they're going to invest in women-run venture firms. And we have 35 women-run venture firms on this platform and it's values-based investing and people can find a venture firm that's right for them. That's amazing. So, this is, so I'm like, I'm trying to move a billion dollars. 
So far, I've soft circled $100 million in the last two months. Wow. $100 million. First of all, congratulations. Backtracking to what you said, uh, so many great points made. I'm interested to know, like for those who don't know, maybe someone listening to this episode that doesn't have much exposure to the world of venture capital yet. When, when you say hostile environment for women working in these venture capital firms or women looking to raise money, what, what does that, what does that mean? Uh, well, I know people who worked in venture firms where literally the uh, managing partner yelled at them and called them names and told them they were stupid in front of their colleagues. That seems wow. pretty hostile. Yeah. <laughs> Not to mention, you know, just being around an environment where people con and the data is very clear. Women are asked different questions when they go mm -hmm. up to pitch to male investors than the male founders do. They literally, wow. the men are asked questions about how big can this get? And the women are asked, okay, well, have you managed for all this risk? Are you sure? And literally being in a room on both, whether you're a woman in the venture firm or you're a woman seeking funding, it happens constantly that people are like, I, literally they'll say to a woman, well, this is a great idea. I think I should run this. Like, or well, let's find a guy to run this. I can find a great CEO to take your idea and they're going to make a lot of money. It's like, wait, this is my company. Or they'll say, um, uh, so when are you planning on having a baby? Wow. I'm not kidding. These things that are are so illegal on in an HR environment, they happen all the time in venture conversations. Listen, there are a lot of men and women that are good and bad. Like it's probably equal, but culturally, the culture doesn't support women as leaders, as innovators, mm -hmm. as worth of investment. It's often suspect and we continue to be sexualized and marginalized, um, especially in these private markets. And um, that is so unacceptable. And I cannot tell you, even today, this morning, one woman came to me and she said, I said, well, our fund only invests in companies with just women founders, no male co-founders. And she was like, well, I just brought him on because I was told I can't raise money unless I have a male co-founder. Oh, well. Okay, Rose, think about this. Yeah. It is so unacceptable. And, and think about this. You have your a big idea. You put your heart and soul into it. You're told you need to bring on a male co-founder. You're never going to raise money. Fine. Let's say it's true. You do it. Um, he's got good intentions when it all starts. You worked with him before, right? Maybe you're partnered with him. Who knows? A couple of years down the road, they basically are like, I think the guy should run it. Mm. You've done a good job getting it this far but let's let him run it only because they, the bias is so deep that they just see that the guy seems to have, they understand him more and has more potential. So all of a sudden, you know, you can get fired from your own company. You wow. can um, have to share all of the equity in a way that was not what you agreed to anyway. So yeah. it's just not fair. And so I've decided I'm building my own venture firms and my own access to capital funnels that I'm going to help other women run venture firms um, so that we don't need to go beg and plead and ask someone to believe in us. Yeah, absolutely. not okay anymore. Yeah. And that's exactly why the work you're doing is so important. You know, instead of <laughs> waiting for a seat at the table, you built your own table. It's I'm building it. Name now. Yeah. And Rose, you have a seat at the table. In fact, I want you to be at the head of the table. Like I want every woman to know you're invited in venture capital seems like it's something uh, very mysterious. And for someone, and historically yeah. it's been like venture capitalists are white guys who went to Harvard or Stanford. Mm. 
that's unfortunate because that means they all have just one way of thinking. It's not, that's too narrow. Um, uh, and that's not going to serve, that's not going to create the companies and solutions, the jobs or the cultures you want to work in. It, all the investors are guys that look just like him, act just like him and reinforce certain bad biased behaviors. You want someone who's going to challenge this young founder and help them grow a better company. Julie, and your experience, I, I love that you mentioned every woman belongs at the head of the table. So, you know, for any female founder about to walk into her next networking event or business meeting, you know, what is one word of advice that you have for her? What is the attitude or, you know, empowering message that you want them to embrace as they go into these situations and say, maybe the, the startup culture and environment that wasn't built for them? Build relationships, ask questions. Mm-hmm. Build relationships. Because if you're just pitching yourself, you're, it, uh, people don't react well to that, actually. And I think a lot of uh, us feel like it's our one chance. We got to get our message out. It doesn't work. Mm. Actually, everyone wants to talk about themselves. So get them talking about themselves. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. As we talk about networking and, and building these relationships, what other skills do you think are important for women entrepreneurs, especially to develop in this type of startup environment? Well, networking is one thing, but frankly, like know your numbers, understand what a venture firm is looking for. So you don't waste your time. Um, I think often what happens is people will come and they'll get mad at me because um, I'll be like, well, this isn't really a venture backable company because of the strategy. I can't get to a 10 times return and that's required. And they don't, sometimes people don't get that. And so it's like, you just have to under, whoever you're talking to, whether you're making a sale or you're talking to a venture investor, you have to understand what are their motivations and who are they accountable to and how are they measuring? Once you know that you can figure out for yourself if you're going to fit or not, and then you don't waste your time. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I recently read a quote in Forbes that said the best way to predict the future is to invent it. And, you know, how do you believe this relates to your work so far and how women invest and how women lead? And, you know, how do you see it maybe relating to your goals in the future? If we, we have to have women and people of color who are the majority of Americans and will be more and more so at 2045, this will be a majority non-white country. Mm -hmm. Um, we absolutely have got to be building the companies that and cultures that solve the issues we have. This huge market opportunity, and you know, to me, like that is that's a it's a arbitrage opportunity for you and me, Rose, is because we can see it, we understand it, and we value it. Um, you know, anybody who underestimates the Latino market is really okay, keep underestimating us. Cause let me show you, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to show you, uh, what the power of this market is. Thank you so much, you know, for taking the time to join us on the show today, before we hop off the call, what is one final word of advice that you have for all the women aspiring entrepreneurs listening to our conversation today? I know this is going to sound a little bit, um, overdone, but truly, truly the only way you can be successful as an entrepreneur is if you really believe in yourself um, and believe you can do it because you're going to, you will have challenges. You can't run 
something in these dynamic environments and not have moments of challenge. And, and you have to believe that you're the best person to do this and you're going to come up with the solutions. And part of that means evaluating all the messages you heard when you were eight, someone told you something at some point in your life that is not serving you and you need to let it go. Mm. Because the, you never even know somebody just must have had a, might have had a bad day and and they said something to you that you started to believe is true um it happens to all of us and i just feel like if you can be self-aware enough to reset and understand i actually get to decide who i am what my value is what my strengths are i can in, it, you know if someone told you, you were lazy when you were growing up you know shed that Mm -hmm. And you decide I am a hardworking, disciplined leader. Like you get to reframe it, own your story. Don't let anyone else um, sully it because what's it to them? They don't matter. What mm -hmm. matters is you and your belief in yourself. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Own your story. Thank you so much, Julie. And, and one a very last thing, where can people go to learn more about you and the work you're doing at How Women Lead and How Women Invest? Literally go to our website, howwomenlead.com or howwomeninvest.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn and I'd love to hear from you. I do a one hour call that's basically an overview so you can find uh, uh, the journey for your engagement with How Women Lead and what you can get out of it. You do a self-assessment. I do it once a month. So, you know, if you think How Women Lead sounds like it's a good place for you, uh, if you're a senior executive woman uh, leading in this uh, and you'd like to find other people like you who, who can move the needle with you, come hang out with us. I'd love to meet you. Amazing. Julie, thank you so much. And I wish you the best of luck with How Women Invest and How Women Lead. Thank you, Ruth. And that's the end of this episode with Student Entrepreneur 101. Today we learned the story behind how women invest and listened to Julie share valuable insights related to venture capital and the gender gap in this space. What did you learn from Julie in this week's episode? What are your top three takeaways? Make sure to head over to at Student Entrepreneur 101 podcast on Instagram and share your thoughts. Do you know someone that wants to jumpstart their entrepreneurial journey? Then share this episode with them. All right, guys, stay tuned for the next episode because I have even more stories, insights, and value to share with you coming soon.